So I was already having this like emotional reckoning within myself of like, what, what is happening? Like, I I don't like this. I don't like this. But I think when my dad died right before Christmas of 2015, I could no longer hold all of this. I couldn't hold having to show up at this job that I hated that I couldn't, I couldn't hold having to show up in places that I didn't feel respected and seen. I couldn't hold giving and giving and giving and giving to anybody else anymore and grieving. Welcome to Flip Your Mindset, a podcast designed to guide you on your healing journey back to self. I'm your host, Stacey Urig. We're all about mental health and understanding how our past experiences shape our present day lives. Join me as we unravel the impact of unresolved traumas, share stories of triumph, and gain insights from experts. This podcast is your laid-back space for navigating the twists and turns of your mental health journey. So grab a seat, let's chat, learn, grow, and start our journey towards healing together. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. All right, guys, welcome back. My name is Stacey Yurig. I am your host. I'm so excited to have Angela Gentile back. This is for part two of our conversation. You can find part one link in the show notes. Now, when we ended our last session with Angela, we were talking about her journey of being this good girl, right? This journey of living within the confines of all the things that she had been told were the right things to be doing and the right ways to be showing up and the right jobs and the right careers. And she ultimately found herself in the very wrong place within a very wrong career, completely disaligned from herself and a reckoning had begun. So when we ended that last episode, we were talking about how Angela was in therapy, starting to recognize, what the fuck? Who am I even? We ended at the reckoning. So welcome back, Angela. Hi. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. Part two, let's go. So let's go. So we ended with, and then there was a reckoning. So let's pick up right from there. What was this reckoning? It was the moment that I could no longer like hold it in. You know, I think I've just spent my whole life stuffing down and there was this like violence in me that was like rage and energy and, and, and all of the emotions that I have repressed, all the things that I have denied myself of feeling and being needed to come out. And I think when you do that and you're in your good girl deference phase for, I don't know, decades. It's so, it's much easier to know what you don't want. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like feeling this. I I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And it was just like the cycle of negativity that I was now like sussing out because I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, what do you want to do? I don't fucking know. I know that it ain't this. All I could do was like process and release and feel what I was currently in and what wasn't feeling good for me. I wasn't able yet because I was still in like fight or flight. Like I was still in that like heightened state of arousal. I was not emotionally safe. I wasn't even physically safe. Like no teacher in this country is physically fucking safe in a building. Do you know what I mean? We would do, side note, this just tells you where I was. Like we would do lockdown drills and I would be like, I ain't doing this. And the kids are like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not, I'm not your bodyguard. Are you serious? 
I was like, and the fastest five of you that can make it to my car, we're getting out. Like, I don't, I'm out. And I don't know if that was like, I mean, but that was telling, right? But I think that's a lot, that's a big ask for somebody to be a fucking bodyguard for a bunch of kids that aren't even yours. The responsibility of teachers is not what it was when my mom was one. Yeah. Very different. You like go in and teach? Yeah, right. (laughs) Imagine. So anyway, so I just, I was like, I don't want to do this. And I was just starting to be like, I don't feel valued in this place. I don't feel like I matter. I don't feel valued. And I was like, well, Angela, you haven't set any boundaries. Hmm. What boundaries do you need to set? I don't even know. I don't even know what, but these are the questions that I was starting to ask of like what needed to happen. And I couldn't quite answer those questions yet of what I wanted, of what I needed, but I knew like I was starting to suss out and feel like what wasn't working. Okay. So I was put on, and part one, I was talking about being put on administrative leave. So from this was like May of 2015 to September of 2015. And I got a call and I was like, I don't know, am I going back to school? Like, I have no, I have no idea. I have no idea. So they called me and they're like, yeah, you're still on administrative leave, but um, we need you to come back because we, we can't fill a spot. And I was like, fuck off, fuck off. So we've either like resolved this and you've like said that I can come back and we've like put this to rest. But I'm, what I'm not going to do is walk on eggshells and, and, and fire wondering if like any given day I'm like a sack of shit. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. So I went on medical leave. Like a disability leave? Like FMLA. Mm-hmm. FMLA. Mm-hmm. Like I took my own family medical leave and took care of myself and like was in deep therapy and resting. Like I was resting and sleeping for the first time in like years. And I came back um, in November. So I was back for about two months and I was like, okay, but it, but nothing's changed, right? Like you could take a break, but you're still coming back to the same like tire fire that you did <laughs> that I left. So I came back and in December of that year, my father passed away suddenly. Mm-hmm. So I was already having this like emotional reckoning within myself of like, what, what is happening? Like, I I don't like this. I don't like this. But I think when my dad died right before Christmas of 2015, I could no longer hold all of this. I couldn't hold having to show up at this job that I hated that I couldn't, I couldn't hold having to show up in places that I didn't feel respected and seen. I couldn't hold giving and giving and giving and giving to anybody else anymore and grieving. There's no way I, I just couldn't do it. So it's like my bucket overflowed and exploded. And I was just sitting here in this like emotional wreckage now of myself, mm-hmm. emotional yard sale, like everything's out. And I'm like, what's mine? What is actually mine? And what was given to me? What yeah. is generational? So yeah. this was like the I see grief. This a lot. I see when you yeah. unpack that backpack. Yeah. How much of it did you put there, and yeah. how much of it did you inherit? And how old is it? Six, seven yeah. generations old. Yeah. And is yeah. it relevant to your life to this time to what it is that you want? And people yeah. are like, "Holy crap! I don't even know." And then when we start to unpack this backpack, they're like, "My God, that ain't even mine." That wasn't even mine. That was my grandfather's. That was my uncle's. That was my mom's. That was this. That was that. And then I go, well, what's yours? They're like, I don't know. Do I even get a choice in this? Do I even get a vision? I get to choose. 
what my yeah. own strategy is. I get to choose the blueprint for my life. And that was where I started now. It is a big aha moment for people. And I love that we're having this conversation because sometimes that's, that's where we're at when we're yeah. doing this work. Yeah. It was terrifying because I, it, when I'm looking at everything that's in my life, all of the yeses that I've said, mm. all of the, the, the identities that I created, you know, all of the things that were in my life, like physically, spiritually, emotionally, weren't mine. I didn't want them. I wanted nothing. And it, I, like, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody and you just roll, like you're, you're, you're on your way out and you like roll over and you're like, I fucking hate this person. And they make your skin cry. Like that is how I felt like in my life. life. I, I like everything felt icky. Everything was giving me the icks. Nothing felt like, like this is what I got to do. Do you know what I mean? So how did you so, get from there to here? So I came back from bereavement leave um, during that holiday break too. So I had like two weeks off and I came back in January and I just remember sitting at my desk. And at this point, I didn't give a fuck. I was wearing like sweatpants to work because I could barely function, first mm-hmm. of all. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here. And I just, I, I honestly felt like a physical panic attack. Like I felt like the walls moving in to me. And I was like, if I stay here one more day, I'm not going to be okay. So I was like, all right, I know that this is not it, but I'm going to make my money and I'm going to take my money and I'm going to finish out the year because I'm going to make a plan. So I started making an exit strategy for myself from then till June. So from January to June, I was like, how the fuck do I get out of here? Because this is all I knew, y'all. Like, this is it. I was a teacher for like almost 15 years. Like, I had no idea what else? This is who I am. I am a teacher. Like the semantics of my life was wrapped up. My being was in this job. So I was loosely doing fitness on the side, like, like as a fun alternative to get me outside. And it was something that I did for my grad school thesis. Cause I was like, if I have to look at student work and like create another, you know, plan and, and learning strategy, I'm going to lose my mind. So for my graduate work, I did um, a wellness program at school. And I got the teachers on board. And I was like, hey, we're going to do this wellness program. You guys in? And there was like 15 teachers. Like, yeah, great. So when that ended, um, I was like, will you guys pay me to do it? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so now I was running and this is like all while my like, when my dad passed away and like when I was put on leave, like I was still kind of doing this underground illegal fitness operation in my classroom. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. So we'd like move the desk, shut the door. Teachers would pay me like 10 bucks and we'd set up like circuit training in my classroom. Um, so I started doing that and I was like, I think I'm going to run with this. I got this thing that I'm doing. And so after school, I would start teaching classes at other schools. So that was sort of my exit strategy. And I was like, wow, I think this is something that feels more like me. It feels like movement. And when you that bucket, yeah. did it give you more to pull from in the job that you didn't enjoy? No, I didn't care. I, no, no, no. I don't mean that. But just even your ability to just be there and withstand being in a job that you didn't like. Did you get enough of a dopamine rush and enough of an overflowing bucket in a positive way from these other things that you were like, I can make it through these eight hours because I have this other thing to look forward to at the end of the day? Yes, but it was more about I felt in control of my life. 
but that is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like doing like I'm thinking of this concept of the window of tolerance. Right. And so your window was very narrow, like your bandwidth for life was narrow. Yeah. So we had this propensity to either go way up high into this hypo arousal and be anxious and angry and overwhelmed and stressed, or some people go deep down into the guts and then we're depressed and fatigued and lethargy and no motivation, right? Because Mm -hmm. this window is so narrow, but when you're able to do things in your life and infuse it with things that bring you joy and bring you closer to your authentic self, you get to widen that window a little bit, which is like widening your bandwidth for shit. It's like yeah. capacity for life. So your capacity to be able to be in the classroom, even though that's not where you wanted to be, but you knew you had the exit strategy. Did yeah. that grow just enough for you to be able to like better navigate the eight to three? But, yeah, but I wasn't, I, I didn't care. Like I wasn't teaching. I was literally showing up there. And, and yes, because this is what I'm talking about. Like I felt more in control and I was like, you know what? I'm doing this for me. This isn't me showing up and giving anymore. This is me sitting at my desk doing whatever. Like I was working on my business at my desk and I was getting paid for it. So I was like, <laughs> like this, <laughs> you know? So it, it felt like I was taking back. Understood. Understood. That, do you know what I'm saying? It's not like I was teaching and being like creating cool lessons and giving a fuck. Cause that Understand. wasn't it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, kinda, kinda. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of like what, ha- like how I made the transition. Okay. Because I was creating something outside of this that, like, I was finally having the conversation of like, well, what excites me? Right. What do I value? You know, like I was having these deeper conversations through my grief that helped me kind of create what I was creating in the back end of it. That now got out of the back seat and now became what the driving force and like what I wanted to do and where I felt connected to a purpose. I felt connected to myself. I could really answer what I wanted to do every day. If you asked me, like, prior to my dad passing away, what do you want to do every day? I'd be like, I, I don't know. Survive. Yeah. Right? So this, this, is our, this is a story of survival to thriving. It's surviving yeah. thriving. Yeah. Because what did I want to do every day? I was like, yo, I want to be outside. I want to work out. I want to be outside. I want to eat good food. Uh, I want to be with my dog. And I want to be around people who want to be around me. Mm. That's That was like the key. Cause I was like, none of y'all give a shit about being here. Like you're here cause you made your force to. <laughs> like, I wanna, yeah. Yeah. So like with that is how I sort of created what I was doing next because I had these like foundational like baselines of this is what I need. So if this is what I need, how do I create a life that gives me these things? You know, I didn't feel like I was, being used or forced or had to. I was like, no, I'm in control. I'm in control of my life. You know, resigned from teaching in June, I assume. Yeah. And what do you do? I built a fitness business called Sweat Remix, which remixed everything that I was experiencing through grief, everything that I was experiencing in teaching and everything I was experiencing in the journey of like, what the fuck is my life, you know? And it remixed mindfulness and embodiment practices with energetic release of hardcore fitness classes and also the guided meditation 
almost like neuro-linguistic reprogramming meditation at the end. So it was like this full circle of like intention setting, activation, and reflection, which I was finding is what I was doing in my life every day. So I was like, this is what my class is. This is what my brand is. And yeah, so I created Sweat Remix in the Zen Rage Heal process for fitness. I was all over Boston. I started teaching classes. I started like renting space. I was starting to do these huge events. And then COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, you're say it. Yeah. Yeah. So then within one weekend, I had like a thriving, like energy business that moved virtually. Yeah. So I switched over virtually in one weekend. And since March of 2020, I have been a virtual fitness brand with on-demand workouts. And I pulled back on my live classes a lot. And it's just a sustainable like back-end um, community. Mm-hmm. And now I've even pivoted from that and sort of expanded because I'm like, all right, what am I doing now? Yeah. Because that started to feel a little, I'm tired. I'm in my 40s now. Your girl's tired. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to run around and teach like a million classes a week. So now that I've built this business that's sustainable, I'm like, well, what do I want to do? I want to speak. I want to storytell. I want to share what I've learned because I feel like I've made it to some sort of promised land and I figured some shit out. I know nothing, but I do know some things. Yeah. So, (laughs) right? Like I want to now share that. So I've created a podcast and a coaching program that helps millennials in this journey Mm. of breaking their millennial deference, of being this generation that has now access to so much information and they're feeling this hard rub of like what I've been told versus what I'm doing and what I see happening and how I feel. None of this is jiving. And Mm. I'm like, I know because I lived it. So I help people kind of bust out of that box that they were put in about this limiting like status quo of this is what you should do and help them take action in their life so that they can live more aligned and in a way that feels honest and good for them. I love it. So how do people find you? Yeah, you can go to sweatremix.com and get fitness and all that because I think fitness is a low, it's an easy entry point. Because if you're listening to what I'm saying and you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. Can you take 20 minutes? You can take 20 minutes and you can take a class and you can move your body and you can start getting conscious because this is the journey that I took. Take a few minutes to breathe and just be like, what am I noticing in my body? That can be really helpful. And that's such a great starting point so that you can just build a little bit more self-awareness because the body keeps a score. The body knows. The body knows so much. And if we're not paying attention to it, we're missing out on some key things that we can do to align ourselves. Movement is so important, especially I'd loved listening to Bessel van der Kolk talk Mm -hmm. about the book. I've been in book clubs with him. I've gone to his trauma conference in Boston and he said something that was so striking to me. And this was after I had read the book. He said, you know, when it comes to somatic work and the breathing and the dancing and the moving and the pounding and however anybody's doing this, he -hmm. said, you don't understand how many people are in a disassociated state where they're completely disconnected from themselves. And when they're completely disconnected from themselves, they don't believe they're anything. They're nobody. But yet, when they can start to move within their body, there is some body 
they're for them. Somebody. They've come from having nobody to somebody. And I was like, God damn, that's brilliant. But that's really what happens. Like in order to connect with self, it's so uncomfortable for so many people because they were denied it. Right. Mm -hmm. They had strategies in important times where they had to literally disconnect just to survive whatever was going on. So, you know, building that back is going to be the key to freedom. Building bridge. So sweatremix.com obviously will have the link in the show notes. And then your social media handle on Instagram or wherever you're kind of most active would be what? Yeah. So you can follow me at the Angela Gentile. Okay. on Instagram. And you can also follow um, my podcast and coaching, which is at the empowered millennials. I love it. And all of that's yeah. going to be in the show notes. Yes. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. I mean, I have, this has just been phenomenal. But <laughs> you great full circle conversation. I want to remind people that we did a part one The link to part one is also in the show notes where we really kind of build all the way up to the reckoning. And part two is the reckoning to today. What I love about your story, Angela, it is so universal. It is Mm -hmm. so global. And, you know, I kind of shoot myself in the foot when I tell people I'm a trauma coach because, and I, I sometimes don't even use the word trauma. I say I'm a coach and I'm a trauma specialist. Sometime I'll say, because What you experienced growing up, not having that voice and choice, people don't recognize that that's traumatic. Trauma is not the event. It's not the experience. It's not what happened. Trauma can be how an experience was interpreted, how that influenced the way that you saw yourself how it influenced the way that you interacted with others in the world. Mm -hmm. And if it's not benefiting you and it's keeping you down and it's causing rage or it's causing depression or it's causing anxiety or it's causing any of these sensations or actions or reactions, Mm -hmm. that's the trauma. That's the drowning in, I don't like this life. I'm not happy. I'm stuck. Yes. So what I love about today's episode is this is what it's all about. I work with all kinds of shit, but that big T trauma that everybody thinks is the most powerful and the most impactful, the situation you found yourself in, Angela, with these, what I'm going to call little T miss dysfunction, your aftermath, your result of that is not so different from the aftermath and the result of the people that I work with that have the big T trauma. Right. That's kind of the point. It doesn't matter what the event is. It's how it's hindering your life in the aftermath Mm -hmm. and equally profound, no matter what the adverse experience is. Absolutely. Whether it's denying you your reality, your voice and choice in a situation or having parents that are not present immature, whatever it is, or we're talking big T trauma, violence, aggression, abuse. The aftermath is the same for so many people. And I love your story. Thank you so much for being such an eloquent storyteller, for coming on and and really giving people a picture that I know so many people are going to relate to. I I think it's one of my favorite episodes so far. Oh my God, stop, stop. Because you know why? I'm blushing. (laughs) Because it is so universal and people don't talk about it. Yeah. People don't talk about it. 
And I think that's why I, I love coming on shows and sharing it because like, I don't know, this is what I was put on this earth to do is to share and to create some space for people to connect with their own badassery. Like if I can do this, like you can too, and and you're not alone. And I'm, I'm happy to share my story so that you can take action in your life. It doesn't have to look like mine. You have to start a business, but like taking action in a way that feels really aligned and good for you. Yeah. You can do that and you have permission. You might not have felt that you've had permission at any point in your life to exist, but you have fucking permission to have needs and to take up space and to do badass shit. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> All right. So if you like today's episode, make sure you look in the show notes for a link to part one. And if you like this episode, do me a favor go to the podcast, actually subscribe to it. So you'll get notified because I drop a new episode every single week. This is Flip That Shit. I am your host, Stacey Urig. And until next time. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of Flip Your Mindset. I hope you found these insights on trauma and mental health valuable. Remember your journey begins with understanding, it begins with radical awareness, and I'm happy to support you every step of the way. For more in-depth discussions, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can receive weekly notifications when new episodes drop. Remember, stay strong, stay resilient. Remember that healing is possible. Thank you for being a part of the Flip Your Mindset community. Until next time.